Well, hi everyone, and uh, welcome to either our, our YouTube channel or, or our, our podcast. It's great that you're joining us today. I want to say a special uh, hi to anybody who's joining us uh, for the first time. Uh, my name's John, uh, and this is our, our channel, Bethel Live. Uh, and we're in a mini podcast series at the moment called Led by Love. Uh, and we've been trying to explore this theme of what it, what it means to put that call to love God with all we've got and then to love others, well, firstly, as we, as we love ourselves, but also as Jesus loves us, to try and put that first, to be led by that. Uh, and as we've been talking so far, that, that's not that's not a little tweak, that's a huge challenge uh, for us. It's been great to have people uh, to bounce that around with. I'm really pleased today to be joined by some friends. Uh, Helen uh, Painter, who's a, a lecturer and an author. Uh, Helen, I, I picked up uh, your book, uh, God of Violence Yesterday, God of Love Today, question mark, a couple question of years mark. ago. Question mark. The question mark is really important. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it was so good. I, I was on holiday, but I took it away on holiday and, and uh, devoured it. Uh, very, very helpful. So thank you for those insights. Really looking forward to, to diving into uh, this theme with you more thank uh, today. You. Uh, Ed, I know from uh, the Baptist College here in Cardiff. Uh, and um, Ed, I've just always loved the, the chance to catch up with you. Uh, our conversations have always been exciting and inspiring. Uh, and what I particularly ad admire is just the way you, you sort of segue seamlessly uh, into praying. And I've loved uh, praying with you over the years. So great to have you with us today. If you feel inspired just to burst into prayer, uh, then, <laughs> then, then, then please do, because it's a particular gift of yours. Uh, and many people from Bethel will know uh, Lorraine, if not all people. Uh, Lorraine is our church support worker, a great colleague uh, to have. Lorraine's got a particular gift for with people uh, and for creating a welcoming, warm uh, atmosphere in the office here. And the, the church hub that's here never worry about the atmosphere uh, in the office. And blessed with great colleagues, but Lorraine's a, a real core part of that. So really great to have the, uh, have the four of us together today to, to, to bounce this around together. And as we've been recording these, one thing that I've noticed is that from time to time, as we're talking about this theme of love, there's just been this little sort of background noise, this little niggle in certain comments that some of us have made. Is, is that, though, is it too wishy-washy? Isn't it much safer or easier to have a, a concrete sort of, you know, I don't know, rule base or creed or mission statement? I don't know that love doesn't replace those things, but is it too wishy-washy? And I thought that'd be a really interesting question to start with today, uh, is why, if we believe that God is love, if we believe that Jesus was sent for God so loved the world, and that our calling, our commandments are to love each other, why do we get nervous about using the language of love when it comes to our faith? So yeah, I don't know if anyone's got thoughts on that to kick us off. I, I was thinking about that, and that's what I was thinking about, the, the nervous aspect. Um, I think that we perhaps are afraid of looking foolish and um, perhaps looking weak by talking about love, that people will think that we are um, sort of someone who may be a little bit scatty or someone who hasn't got a firm basis um in truth but um yeah i think that it's mainly the the looking foolish and not wanting to maybe make yourself vulnerable as well with someone um that's my initial thoughts on that i think which, which is like the heart of this whole thing about what love is doesn't it really it's, mm. um 
I mean, love is a, is a strong thing, isn't it? In many ways, it's a strong mm -hmm. motivator. It's a strong impulse. And yet we're worried that it might make us look weak. That's a really interesting, yeah, great point. Do you think it's a fear of, of emotionalism, a fear that we are reducing our core faith commitment to experience mm. and a sense of kind of, and again, I think it comes down to our understanding of what love is, but so often either, well, so often as, as love is spoken about generally, it, it's, it's referred, it's thought of as an affection. And as soon as we reduce it to an affection, then we, th then yes, I can understand the, the fear that or the the concern that we might be reducing our our core faith or our core practice to feeling warm and fuzzy. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like warm and fuzzy. I've decided. Um, <laughs> um, I, I may not be warm, but I am fuzzy. Um, but. I, <laughs> I, I really do think that this is a lot to do with how we understand love and, our, you know, we talk about it a lot in church, but I sometimes wonder, do we actually believe it? Because um, I wonder if we've been more persuaded by sort of a Hollywood and pop music version of love mm -hmm. than by uh, the Bible and by the example of Jesus. I know when uh, when I was 18, I was a stand-in radio presenter on our, our, our local radio station, and one of the bits in the programme I did was called The Love Line, when people would ring in and they would send a message, you know, baby bear loves smoochy poo or something, and then you'd, you'd play everything I do, I do it for you, or something like that. And I really think that that has convinced us that that is what love is. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of, as you say, Helen, it's romantic love. And Sometimes we get that in worship songs, and that makes me feel a bit un uncomfortable, to be honest. But uh, as you say, John, love is surely something strong, something big, something bold, something creative, something that speaks about relationship as primary. And if that's if that's what love is, then surely we need to be led by love, because this is the example of God. It's the example of Jesus. Relationship is primary. Mm. Mm. It's fascinating. The um, you know, you, you're talking there about romantic love, and I had no no idea of your sort of secret Stella Black style past. Um, <laughs> if that's been worth it so far, uh, but the um... surprise, surprise, surprise. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the, the 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 language that we use, I think, in worship songs, it is more important than I think I think we realise. Uh, and there are certain sort of parts of the Bible, aren't there, that do have that romantic. Sort of aspect to them, uh, certain mm -hmm. psalms and and song of songs, etc. Um, and, and yet, that's not all that's there, you know. And I think there does need to be a balance between loving God with all our mind, you know, loving God with all our strength, our energy, uh, and with all our heart, you know, and, and those those things coming together. Um, mm -hmm. And it can it can for some people be quite a difficult thing. Um, and John sort of hints at this when he writes, doesn't he, and talks about how difficult it is to love God who we've not seen. Um, and that sort of experience of being loved by God um, would include, you know, an emotional experience, um, but not, 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 that's not the whole experience of being loved by God. Um, and I think that's what sometimes worship songs um, can undervalue or underplay or, or completely miss at times. And in a way, you're highlighting something to do with what is our experience of love and we will all have different experiences of love but i do think it's it's hard hard to 
use the language of love if you haven't experienced that love yourself. Mm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm conscious, you know, I mean, uh, Helen, you will have many examples of this, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, just in my my very ordinary upbringing, it just wasn't the policy really of my family to use the language of I love you, you know, it just never happened. Um, and that wasn't that I wasn't loved, but it was just nobody ever said that. Yeah. And so um, I think that has made me uncomfortable about using that language or un unconfident maybe about using that language. Um, but I think I'm growing into it. But <laughs> I, I guess it just illustrates that our experience very much shapes how we see this. And conversely, the use of love. So as someone who I've done quite a lot of work around um, domestic abuse in the Christian home, but the use of love by abusers, mm -hmm. um, not just in the Christian home, but more widely, you know, oh, I will love you and look what you've driven me to, or, you know, I, just the use of love to abuse, to gaslight, um, that absolutely can condition our understanding of, of what of what God, and, and you know, and, and make us misunderstand what God's love is like. Yeah, so as a church, we're dealing with people then coming into the church, as you say, that have that all have different experiences of love. And so you can't really put a, a standard way of of um, of speaking to dealing with um, interacting with um, the people that come in because everyone is individual. And as you say, have their own experience or a bad experience of people saying that they love them or um, being loved, but not you know, having the words to to actually say that. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's very. It's it's difficult just trying to work out how do we show the love then to people that have different experiences of it. And that's why I think it's important that you know, in a sense, we talk about Jesus as love incarnate. Um, we're, we're saying, okay, love is not wishy-washy. This is what love is. Look, here's Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, in our preaching and teaching, in our, our worship, a, a kind of a, a Jesus-focused um, approach that says, this is what love is, I think helps us to, mm -hmm. to get a bit of a clearer picture of what it is we're talking about when we say we're led by love. So, yeah. Do you think there's ever a danger in overemphasizing love? I think. Do you mean? Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, you go. You go, Lorraine. Um, I, I can't remember what I was going to say now. So you you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I th I think we can overemphasize love where we lessen it what it means, and where we then set it in. Um, distinction in contrast to something else which is also important but which if we genuinely understood it is contained within love so I think when we want to emphasize love over judgment um, or love over truth um, or love over greed or belief then we then yes we are overemphasizing love but actually if we genuinely understand that love encompasses truth it encompasses judgment and it encompasses creed and belief um then then i don't think we can possibly overemphasize it yes i absolutely agree with 
Helen there. I mean, I kind of think, no, we can't overemphasize it as long as our love is rooted in the person of God and the example of Jesus. You know, the, we need to keep this. It's one of the wonderful things about Christianity. And so we shouldn't be afraid to keep on sort of shouting about it. Um, I was I was leading college prayers just before Palm Sunday, and I was really struck by the the passage uh, the verse in in the passage that said when he entered jerusalem the whole city was in turmoil asking who is this mm. and i i just thought well who is this god what is this picture of god that we have um and this is a God who washes the feet of the disciples. This is a God who uh, looks at a young man who doesn't follow him and nevertheless loves him. This is a God um, who risks being stoned to death because he will speak about freedom. This is a God who receives a woman accused of adultery and sends away her accuser. You know, all of these things. This is the God we're talking about. This is the God revealed in Jesus. And so um, this is what love is. Uh, and this is why we can't overemphasize it. I agree. I don't think you can overemphasize it at all. Um, and how people respond to it as well can be quite overwhelming. Uh, we have a free food market here on a Saturday. And um, quite often, you know, I come in contact with people who come in occasionally to the office, but um, I'm not involved physically being there. But I every time after uh, the food market um, I have an email from one of the people who attends and one of the things that he said was um, I can't believe that people can be so good and I think that that is emphasizing the love coming from people to others because it's such although there are obviously there are lots of charities around and people who are non-christian um give freely of their time and and then um, to help others but it's it's a real outpouring of it's faith in action isn't it and love at the same time and um i think that on the way that people react when people um in the church reach out to them and show that love in practical ways especially um though you can't overemphasize love i think that's a great example lorraine and i think the the challenge always isn't it because you, you sort of touched on it there was talking about um there's plenty of nice people out there doing nice things mm. um mm. but it's it's the love of god isn't it that, that should be the different mm. thing the distinctive thing the thing that, that compels us and inspires us and and that is hugely challenging because quite often you know these things can be set up with great um enthusiasm and excitement and inspiration and very soon just become something that we do uh, and can ironically eventually be devoid of that same same love um and that, i think that's a that's a huge challenge to be inspired by led by love in an ongoing way uh, when certain things become fairly routine yeah Yes, I mean, it's it, one of the things that struck me when I was in pastoral ministry, really, is that I discovered I was using the language a lot of serving. And, um, you know, I would seek to serve my congregation, I'd seek to serve God, I'd seek to serve the community. And over time, I realized that quite honestly, I was getting tired of serving. I was feeling a bit uh, badly done to by all the serving that I was doing. And as I've thought about it in retrospect, I've realized 
actually the, the primary calling is not to serve it's to love and saying i'm here to love these people mm. somehow creates in me a different sort of picture of what it is i'm here to do and so um yeah i i think i think serving you can run out of steam loving well if it's if it's coming from god then i guess i i guess in the best sense we're able to keep on doing that yeah i think that's great it's one of the things that i um say to us i mean to our students here is that you know as, as they're going off to begin in their new churches i say your first task is to learn to love your congregation and you don't try and do anything smart uh, until you love your congregation and they know you love you they, they know you love them and, and then when that relationship is formed then you can you know you can bring in change or, or you know dream some visions together but but don't try and do anything you, you just, first of all learn to love them go and visit them spend time with them hang out with them yeah. love them that's great i remember <laughs> Uh, in ministry um just reaching a point of i was joining a, a quite a full team quite an active church that's just struggling a bit i guess to, to find my, my place and my role um and talking to my um sort of mentor back then my nan's mentor uh, and he asked me the same question do, do you love these people and to be honest it took me a long while to, to think that through because obviously there's the easy answer well yes of course we're called to love everyone <laughs> Uh, but the the question was different to that much more specific was do you love these people and i was like well yeah no i honestly do you know and love the church love the opportunities but it's the, the people it, that's, a, that's actually an easy one and he said well that's your that's your primary function your primary call uh, and i found that really really helpful actually to to reprioritize what i was thinking about how i was doing things or um what what it was that i was doing around that yeah but it's a different mm -hmm. way of looking at it definitely yeah mm -hmm. I find work because I obviously working in an office. It's a lot to do with um, uh, policies and procedures and um, um, things like that. And I often think that um, if I wasn't led by love, then sometimes it could be a little bit dry and all the things that you deal with. But um, I do feel that um, I do feel drawn to the role that I'm in um, by love and by love for people in the congregation to to use policies and procedures and um, correct ways of doing things in order that things uh, work in the church so that people can come in and experience that love that we have here. And then also with hirers, because we hire out our buildings, that's an opportunity to meet people and um, and, and and try and show, even just with a smiling face sometimes, try and show some love towards mm. them. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, as you, as we say, everything led by love, if you've got that at core, then that at the core, then that, um, that comes out in the way you treat people and in the way you respond to uh, the tasks and activities that you have to do. Mm. I think that's such a helpful perspective, Lorraine. Um, somebody I know, and I'm going to keep this as vague as I can because I don't want there to be any finger pointing here, uh, but somebody I know um, got involved in um, some work that was being done around Ukrainian um, refugees. And it was work that had emerged out of a, a loving response to this situation. And the the, the network involved had, 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 had pushed a lot of energy in, but actually hadn't set in place any of the sorts of procedures that you're talking about. So this person um, 
went out to an Eastern European country to help with the refugee situation, there was no um, volunteer briefing, there was no debriefing, there was no um, boundaries set, there was no health and safety, there was no safeguarding. Um, and the thing was a, was a catastrophe in slow motion, really. And I, and I think that 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 that, that the, the impulse of love in, should include attention. You know, it is love that makes us put our safeguarding procedures in place. Yeah. It is love that makes us do things properly and carefully and rigorously. Mm. Um, and there's there's a it's, it, it's to imagine that there's love on one side and then procedures and protocols on the other is, <laughs> is such an unhelpful way of viewing it. And and to view these yeah to view this holistically is so important. I think. Mm. There's something in there about the body image, isn't there? About people being gifted in certain ways, mm-hmm. uh, and Paul being really clear with the church that one part of the body can't say that any other part of the body, I don't need you, you know. Uh, but yeah. that holistic approach is, yeah, incredible. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you guys in terms of love is, is what do you think? Uh, we may have touched on one or two things already, but what do you think are the biggest barriers uh, for people when it comes uh, to love, uh, to loving God? Um, loving each other, loving ourselves. Uh, what gets in the way of that? I mean, I'd love to come in there just because it kind of a response to what Helen was just saying, actually. Uh, and I think one of the biggest barriers is when we set up law against love as if these are two sort of polar opposites. And for many of us, the reality is we're, we're more comfortable having very clear boundaries than we are at the, the more, um, the freer end of things. Um, but it, it just struck me and I, I think, goodness, I've been a Christian quite a long time and how have this never struck me before? But if Jesus can say the greatest commandment is love God, uh, love your neighbor, love yourself. And, and Paul can describe love as being the summary or the uh, the fulfillment of the law. Mm-hmm. Then um, if we are seeing the law as anything other than that which leads to love, then we're misreading the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is loving is is as Helen was just saying it may well be about setting some boundaries it may well be about um doing things in a particular way but that doesn't mean that that's not about love mm. and equally you know when we look at the law uh God's law um if there's anything in there that we're not seeing as loving then maybe we are misreading that and we need to see ultimately that God's intention is love and law as much as anything else is a part of that Mm-hmm. I think it can be difficult as well, um, you know, to love others as we love ourselves if we don't really love ourselves very much. Mm-hmm. And so we have to go back to loving others as Jesus loved does. But sometimes, you know, that is difficult, isn't it? I suppose if people have been damaged in the past and um, you don't particularly have a great opinion or love or you don't think you do for yourself then it it can be difficult to then show that to others so that could be a barrier with people different people in the in the congregation again as we talked about at the beginning with different experiences of love itself mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and uh, another big barrier i think is I speak for myself is me you know I'm I'm not a, I'm not a naturally loving person I'm not I'm not you know my heart will was it which theologian says that sin is uh, is everything curving in on ourselves and isn't that the way I'm going to speak entirely for myself um isn't that the way that that I operate that it, it all curves in on me and and that is that is a natural um well it's it's not the way God made me but it's the way that I am um that's and that is an unloving 
um, way of being. And, and I thank God for his Holy Spirit that um, very slowly is transforming me to be a little more like Jesus and, 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 and to curve in on myself a little less often or a little less quickly. But that's that for me is the biggest barrier to being loving is is is, is my sinful nature. And I look mm -hmm. forward to the day when uh, when that is completely um, healed. Yeah. Um, but it won't be before it won't be this side of the grave <laughs> there's a song we sing um oh it's gonna quote it oh yes there's a line in it that says um when i see you as you are and love you with unsinning heart the matt redmond song yeah. uh, and i for me that always chokes me up the the idea of you know i think i love him now but when i love him with an unsinning heart um what's that going to be like you know it's an incredible thought uh, i mm. love that it's untethered and unfiltered and unpainted yeah incredible yeah so i think it might, sorry, sorry it might also be um about being a, you know in a human sort of response to things one of the barriers may be how do we love that type of person how against that type of person so i i i think the, the the church is quite middle class generally and um so one of the barriers may be how do we love the, the homeless person who comes off the street do we truly love that person as much as we love someone that's been in the congregation for years and has um contributed lots and time and and effort how do it's 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 that kind of thing um trying to not look at it in a worldly way of love and um judging people i think that maybe that's maybe that's what it is um one of the biggest barriers is if we judge different types of people yeah or if we kind of reduce them to their utility mm -hmm. so we value people according to how useful they are how much they can serve in the church what they can bring what they offer to us um yeah yeah but yes, and that, that's a different kind of, I think it's a different kind of understanding of relationship. I, I keep thinking one of the barriers is when we don't come back to Jesus to define what love is. Um, and I, uh, I think you're right, Helen. I, I, don't think, I don't think Jesus ever seems to have looked at people in terms of what they could do for him mm -hmm. um, or, you know, uh, what skills they had, what they could bring. He, um, oh, I come back to that line in the Gospels about the, the young ruler, you know, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's just something there about relationship in terms of what Jesus was doing. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's Tim Keller that makes a similar point when he talks about Jesus's baptism and says that, you know, there's this outpouring, this is my son whom I love. And he says that that happens before Jesus has performed any miracles, mm -hmm. uh, taught any parables, um, and that that should really, you know, particularly perhaps for people who are pouring out in, in ministry, um, sort of be quite defining for us, that, that that affirmation of God's love for us comes before we've done anything, uh, and yeah. we'll still be there after all the messes and successes and everything. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really important because I do think, and I, you know, I would definitely put myself in this camp, you know, that we we talk 
about grace and we talk about this uh, this wonderful acceptance not based on what we do but I you know I'm not sure that we believe it uh, I still think that we think it's what we do that matters and so um, yeah keeping on hearing that message that we might describe as the simple gospel perhaps is one that we need to keep on hearing because we we haven't quite got it yet um, but, yeah. And of course, that language that God uses over Jesus at the and his baptism is language that is 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 taken from the Old Testament. This is the language that God speaks over Israel. So when we're thinking about God speaking those over Jesus who hasn't yet done anything, that's that's really big and important. But actually, God speaks those exact same words over Israel who have let him down so very many times. Yeah. Um, so it's even bigger, isn't it? It's it's uh, my my beloved my beloved child. God says over rebellious unfaithful israel my beloved child god says over rebellious unfaithful us mm -hmm. i love that because i kind of i was thinking about this and thinking surely the very very best examples of human love god's love must be better than that and so uh, whatever we can think of that is wonderful in terms of human love god's love is even better and that's kind of what helen's just describing then so yeah but one final question uh, we've been trying to ask everyone that, that's been on. Um, so it's been great to share um, about the theme, but, but what's something that we can do uh, as individuals, as families, as churches, as teams? What's, what, what can we do to be better led by love, do you think? Mm. <laughs> well, one thing that I was thinking of was... Um, maybe this this word is up your street Lorraine I don't know but maybe we could audit our um, <laughs> church meeting agendas and say to what extent do we see the presence of love in this agenda to what extent does this agenda pick up on issues of love to what extent is it seeking to advance a loving kingdom you know where is love fitting into the discussion because if if this is what matters and if what we're seeking to do is to be led by love well, well where is love then mm. do we see it at the places where we're having discussions and making decisions yes love that it's great yeah, that's, that's really good. that's great is my suggestion um i speak sometimes about dangerous prayers and by dangerous prayers and and i think you know, many, well, all of us on this call, I'm sure, have prayed dangerous prayers. Um, <laughs> is dangerous, is praying a dangerous prayer that, you know, maybe end up as a Baptist minister? Is that, is that blank check prayer? Is that, Lord, not my will? You know, actually, we pray a dangerous prayer every time we pray the Lord's prayer. You know, your will, not mine. So here's my suggestion, is that we pray that open, dangerous prayer, because actually it is only by the work of God's spirit within us that we will become more loving. We'll become more led by love. So dangerous prayer, Lord, make me more loving yeah. lord send your spirit again to do what you need to do in my life to make me look a little bit more like your son and that's a really dangerous prayer because god if we say that and mean it god will take us at our word and uh you know some weeks down the line or some months down the line we're going to go oh what's going on here and you're ah oh, darn i prayed that dangerous prayer back on the 12th of may <laughs> so that's my that's my challenge to myself constantly and uh yeah maybe some others i think yeah really you have to go back to your personal relationship with the lord really um because the only we can't do it in our own strength be led by love for everyone because we're just 
incapable of it really, aren't we? We can't, on our own, we can't do that. So I think that the best thing is by praying, by Bible study, and, and just by trying to, um, to emulate Jesus through our words and actions. That's the only thing I can think of, apart from meeting with other believers and chatting about love and how we can perhaps do it better um but i think it, it all has to come from from jesus <laughs> in our hearts in order to be able to show that to others show that love to others yeah. and that was one thing i was going to say that i think I, i'll really take away from this um is that experience of um in the fullness of the experience of, of being loved by jesus um and and we mentioned a few times about this whole thing about loving ourselves. Um, it's that it's in the love of God that we find it's okay to love ourselves. You know, it's in the acceptance of God uh, and the way of God. And uh, there's something about that as well, isn't there? But walking in that, uh, that then we do believe that others are worthy of love. You know, if we are, and we do, we are more open um, to God's way and God's work in others. So, yeah. Sorry. Hang on. Oh, is the phone going? Yes. <laughs> I've just uh, I've uh, put it down, but I, I, the answer machine will get that. So uh, <laughs> I will lovingly pick it up soon. <laughs> well, thank you ever so much, guys. It's been really great, really good to talk. Thank you. It's yeah, been a great pleasure. It's it's challenged me to think again. What do I? What kind of God do I believe in? What what do I think God is love means? So yeah, thank you. Yeah, lovely to see you, Ed, and uh, well, John, you're just next door. Um, and nice to meet you as well, Helen. Nice to meet you.